top of the table, that's exciting. Bottom of the table, that's exciting. Like that's the sort of football that you want to be. And these are the pressure games that in 15, 20 years time, I will look back on and I will remember these are the important matches for me, not middle table teams. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. The Koi Gig pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. We're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there and welcome to episode 14 of the Koi Gig podcast. OTB's home of everything Women's Super League, Irish football and everything in between. I'm Kathleen Wacknamy and with me is Karen Duggan. Karen, how are you this fine day? Very well. The sun is starting to shine. We had some big games. Um, not as goals coming from different areas than we would have expected to talk about this week <laughs> exactly exactly and also it is the week of valentine's week of valentine's love so we're going to give a lot of love to all our irish football we're going to give a lot of love to the WSL. and if anyone is listening to this and not having the week that they planned hopefully we can be like a little ray of sunshine in the whole thing <laughs> the koi gig pod and otb sports is an association with cabri fc official snack partner to the republic of ireland women's national team coming up a little later we'll finally get to that women's national league preview that we were supposed to do with kira grant but then of course she went and moved to Rangers yeah ruined it but it's fine because we have a great guest this week the one and only Carly Murphy and for the last time before the international break which we will talk a bit more in depth about next week when there actually aren't any WSL games we have Emma Carroll who will have her team of the week so Ken you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier about the week that was in the WSL shows the best place to start is probably one of the most important games of the weekend and that was Chelsea versus Arsenal a sellout clash I think talking to a few friends who work in journalism beforehand, it was the most amount of journalists I've seen going to a WSL game in general to cover it. And it might not have been the goal fest that we've been hoping for, but it wasn't disappointing in terms of the excitement and general play. No, plenty of talking points. I think we probably jinxed it a bit, previewing it as the the um, face-off between the two best strike um, partnerships in the league. But no, it was a kind of a tense affair, um, but really, really high on quality. I think both, obviously, we saw a lot of good play and attack, but it was matched by defensive efforts. Um, so I think both sides will be really pleased with how their defences managed it because the goal, the game really ebbed and flowed. I thought that Arsenal started very brightly, but then in the second half, Chelsea completely put them on the back foot um, and they stood up to it, to be fair. And they even pushed uh, they had two goal line clearances, I think, in like about the last minute. And then we had two yeah. penalty controversies. Um, so it certainly the, gave the journalists plenty of column inches there. Yeah, I thought it was kind of remarkable. It's the first WSL like goalless draw between these two teams since 2015, which just shows the epic battles that there have been over the years. Uh, as you said, few controversies, but I think even like both managers said after the game, you know, a draw probably was the fairest result. Neither of them pushed too far. It could have been the case where someone would have got a last minute goal with one of the goal line clearances or that Leo Williamson handball that was not spotted could have turned into a penalty and that would have seen Chelsea clear and a 1-0 result for either team possibly would have been fair as well, but there's no way that this was the same sort of round beatings that we've seen between the two teams in the past, you know, whether it was Arsenal at the start of the season or some of the scorelines that Chelsea have put past uh, Arsenal in recent times. 
Yeah, and it's it's nearly unfortunate that we were kind of talking about refereeing instances because there was such high quality in the game. But when you do have something that looks so blatant on a camera, like that Leah Williamson handball, hands were up. Um, but it's, it was really interesting. They had a discussion on it on Sky Sports and the referee's position is straight on and her body, Leah Williamson's body did kind of cover it and the assistant was on the far side of the pitch. So there was a referee on defending Rebecca Walsh's decision. Um, but then they got into the conversation about fire and stuff, but that's so far out. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking to Michelle O'Neill about. You needed to get the women full-time professionals before you even get to that step. So a lot of people are calling for that, but it would be harsh to kind of pin the game on, on that one point as well. Um, yeah, like you said, goal line clearance is a lot of good play. Feisty at times. I think Arsenal's feral count was higher than Chelsea's kind of showed that Chelsea maybe did push it a little bit more. But I suppose on the balance of things, a draw is a fair result. I'm not sure who will really be happier coming out of it, possibly Chelsea with that game in hand. Possibly. I was going to say, if, if anyone, Chelsea are going to be happier just because they do have that match. They probably know what they have to do and have been in that position a bit more than Arsenal have in recent seasons. That's not to discount them. I mean, we've seen the results that there have been this year. (laughs) Anything could really happen. And that's one of the great things. And on the other Derby side, we also had the Manchester Derby. Uh, Again, highest ever crowd for a Derby between the two teams. And probably one of the closest ones we've seen. I think, again, it was unfortunate for United when they come up against these top teams and they hold out for so long and then they just get undone. And it probably shows how far that they have come in recent seasons that that is how matches are going for them now against big teams like City, Arsenal, Chelsea. But you'd have to feel that they're quite disappointed walking out, especially with the nature of the goal being an exact replica of the one that undid them the year before. Yeah, like honestly, we could have come on this podcast and just talked about the goal for the whole thing because it was it was disgusting how good it was. Like it was ridiculous to get with very little backlift, the trajectory she got on it, um, totally wrong foot and herbs in goal. Um, so yeah, where was the difference and that's just an example of someone coming off the bench and maybe they were disappointed to not start but what an impact that is and yeah United will be disappointed because they were very resolute in defence up to that point Man City dominated possession they dominated the chances and they're coming into such a run of form Um, and United are bridging that gap unfortunately now if they look at the league table they're going to really be feeling that heat from City I think it's down to two points between them Um. And City just seem to be hitting form at the right time. Yeah, if we look at the league table, United are in fourth position on 25 points and then City are in fifth position on 23. So really is close. And especially with Tottenham winning and the general race for third place, it's disappointing for United that they couldn't get something a little bit more. I did love... Not to go back to Caroline Weir's goal, but I did love when someone showed it to her after the game. I'm not sure if it was like the city club or if it was one of the journalists and they showed it to her and she watched it back and she was like clearly surprised herself. I think maybe it was one of those things where she kicked it, scored and just started celebrating. And she just was like, oh, that was a little bit naughty, wasn't it? And I just love that reaction. She clearly had no memory of the goal she had actually no. managed to score. It was, it was an audacious effort and it's rightly getting traction on social media. And the fact that she'd done it nearly a year to the day um, previous United will be so sick that they didn't recognise that she has that in her locker you could kind of maybe look at United's defence and say could they have closed her down quicker but I think it was just magic and it, it needed something like that from City because they banged on the door and they banged on the door and United held up but yeah it was it was definitely City's day 
yeah, if you don't know Caroline Weir only scores bangers at this yeah. stage, then what what are you doing in the WSL? Um, Tottenham had a win over Birmingham. Good for Tottenham, who have struggled a bit. Birmingham once more, they're now seven points adrift at the bottom of the table. I think it is. It just kind of keeps getting worse and worse for them. Yeah, it does. Um, again, just kind of simple errors. I don't know. You look at the way they're playing. They play five at the back, but oftentimes you just don't see them being tight enough to to players. And I don't know, it takes a lot of coaching for those kind of systems to work and yeah, again, I think Spurs, even though they weren't in a great run of form, I think they could have won by more. And that'll be a great boost for them. Obviously, they were people were starting to talk about just Man United and Man City being the run for that Champions League space, but it's great for them to to still be in there. But it's looking very bad for Birmingham. There's a bit of daylight between them and Leicester. Leicester aren't even second from bottom now. So yeah, mm. it's not looking great for our Birmingham girls, unfortunately. Um- yeah, a massive win for Leicester. Um, did incredibly well. 3-0 over West Ham. It's definitely their biggest win, I think, but probably one of their best. Arguably, you could say Birmingham matches as well, just because of what they represented in terms of bottom of the table. But I think they're showing more and more that they deserve to be in the league and that they are, can really contribute to it. And especially if that having this first league under their belt, a bit more investment will come in and they'll be able to grow and grow they've been kind of one of the best surprises for me of the season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think those bottom games were so important because of just that battle that was commencing. They were a bit tentative, but some of the lesser performances have been really good and a lot of teams have struggled against West Ham and to put three past them is no mean feat. And what I was really impressed with was the numbers that they got for it. They're not playing like a team who are in a relegation battle. They they wanted to keep pushing on. And yes, they caught West Ham on the hop with a quick break, but it really settled them for the game. And I thought that they were, they were very, very bright and very positive in how they went about the game. Definitely. And I think it shows a lot with how they've changed since Jonathan Morgan left, what Lydia Bedford's done coming in. She, I think she's really allowed the team to capitalise on their counter-attacking, something that they've had quite a lot of good success from in the past. They're not the sort of team that are going to consistently be playing up the top part of the pitch and consistently, you know, banging down on doors. They're looking for those little moments. They're looking for those little breaks and anything they do that can improve on that is, I mean it's only going to be better for them. Um, A big win for Brighton as well over Reading, who had been on such a run of form in general. And Brighton had been, I think they hadn't won a game since like the start of the season. They had lost 11 consecutive games in all competitions. It's been a really tough time for a very good squad and a massive win against a team who are really on an upward track in terms of form. Yeah, and I think they just got back to doing the basics right. They were very, very dangerous from set pieces. Um, we might talk about it, possible show for team of the week for Megan Connolly. I thought her deliveries were exceptional. Um, yeah, a, a blip in form by Reading, but I guess that was bound to come. Like I saw some table on Twitter again where it showed that they were top of the form table and whereas Arsenal who are top of the table mm. were, were very much like tenthers or very low on it. So um there's, it's so unpredictable this season, this WSL season. I, I don't think Reading will be overly panicked by this. I think they were punching a little bit above their weight for a long time and Brighton were well below what they can deliver and the role is just reversed. But I don't think either team will... I think Brighton will use this as a, a stepping stone to get back to what they can be. Um, but I don't think Reading will be... Despite how comprehensive it is, I don't think they'll, they'll let it dictate how the rest of their season goes. 
No, definitely. And then finally, uh, 2-0 loss against Aston Villa for still managerless Everton. I think they're down to 11th now. Against a team like Aston Villa, you thought maybe it's somewhere they could scrape a draw or even a win. I think they've only had three wins since the start of October. So, you know, not an impossible game to go to, but yet they still slip to that 2-0 loss. Yeah, and... Again, they started the match brightly. It seems to be kind of a theme the last few weeks. They started very brightly, but when they concede, they go back into their boots and obviously not having a manager. Um, that that just seems like a confidence thing because you do see in spells that they're they're dangerous. But West Ham were good as well. I think they hit on the break when they needed to and they controlled the game when they needed to. Um, Everton still came back. But yeah, it, it's it's so weird to see Everton down where they are when we built them up so so much at the start of the season they have such talent that they signed it just hasn't clicked and it's someone needs to get what Leicester have into them and just kind of inject that that confidence and nearly resilience um in how to manage games a little bit better yeah I think it's an interesting comparison when you look at this being Leicester's first season in the WSL Everton being such such stalwarts and you look at the Everton teams of past who were alongside Arsenal you know they were leaders in getting the women's game to the place it is in England and now that's just not who they have been, especially this season. And you would hope that somewhere along the line, I mean, it's probably the same for the men's team. They haven't done particularly well this season either. So it could just be something that's going on in general in the club. But you would hope that considering that history and say if Birmingham do go down, it's not a case of next season, them suffering a similar fate with Looking like Liverpool probably will come up uh, so that'll make for some interesting matches in terms of that rivalry um, but you would hope that they can at least pull it around to the point where they are doing a lot better than they are right now um, if you have any opinions suggestions or thoughts on how the season is going do you think Everton if it wasn't for Birmingham would be in trouble of relegation or if they extend the relegation that could also be a thing where teams like Everton will suffer anymore. Please get them into us on Twitter at Off the Ball using the hashtag OTB Koi Gig. It feels like we've only just properly got our team of the week back between international breaks and COVID enforced breaks for teams. But this is going to be our little, last one for a little while with the Planetary Cup coming up and Ireland competing in that over the international break. But. We still have this week's one. We can enjoy it for everything that it is. Emma, how did you get on with putting together it this week? I'll be honest, it was a little bit difficult. I don't think my Wi-Fi could handle the simultaneous kickoffs because the (laughs) FA player just kept crashing on me. So you'll probably see that it is slightly skewed to the televised fixtures um, and a lot of Everton Aston Villa, which I've seen about an hour of before the others started kicking off. Um, And I caught the highlights. So yeah, there's a bit of that going on this week. (laughs) I won't lie. Okay, I mean, that's what Karen and I are here for, to pick all the holes and give you absolutely <laughs> no sort of space through the fact that the games are impossible to watch when they kick off at the same time. I don't even know if it's your Wi-Fi or just the FA player in general. Whenever there's multiple kickoffs, it's a yeah, good resource, yeah. but not always the most effective one <laughs> in the world. Um, but who has made your team of the week? I've went with Ellie Roebuck in goal, um, Badier, um and I went straight in with her. Diane Caldwell <laughs> gets the nod in there. Leah Williamson, just about saved by the penalty not being given, got in there. Lucy Bronze, um, I thought her and Jess Park on the left just were brilliant um, link up play. So the both of those are in the, in the team. Um, midfield, I went from Lehman, Little, and Jess, um, Scott, Jill Scott. And then up front, Green, Midema, and Jess Park, as I said. 
I want to go first to Karen because I feel like you said Williamson and Karen went, mm. <laughs> no, just no, I think it, like both defenses, but in terms of moments, I thought that like the likes of Bright was clearing balls off the line, but I actually would have gone for Greenwood from City because we often talk about Steph Houghton and the effect that she has, but I just thought she was really, really controlled and, and set up a lot of the attacks and just brought a, a lot of calmness to City's play. But you do have a good few City players in there and rightly so. Like you say, I think the wings were exceptional for Man City. So Bronze and Park getting the nod there, they really knew how to get at Man United um, and they could have scored another uh, few from those. So I definitely agree with those. Um, Caldwell, maybe a bit of bias. Could she have closed down the shot? Probably not. It was just genius. But um, yeah, it was very competitive for the defences this week, I have to say. Yeah, the other one that I thought could be thrown a shout in there was Ashley Neville, even just for yes. her getting forward. And I know that's her second goal in two weeks, but yeah, I think yeah. she has been incredible. I was looking at some of the stats for her like over the season, and I think she's like in the 90th percentile for expected goals from someone in her position. She it has been very robust in a lot of games, and I thought she definitely deserved a little bit of an up. But I agree, it was a competitive week. Like I called well perhaps a little bit of Irish bias there. Not that we're against it on this podcast. <laughs> no, definitely not. Oh, it's still, it's still yeah. great to see her. She's doing so well. Like, I don't know, did yeah. we expect her to get straight into the team in the way she has, but she doesn't look out of place at all. And I thought she that just shows what a professional she is, that she can slot into a team like Man United so seamlessly. Yeah, I thought she she done a really good job of keeping Ellen White quiet throughout the game. Um, and yeah, there's a couple of challenges that... <laughs> She was probably maybe lucky to still be on the field and not get a second yellow at one stage. But um, yeah. Committed just challenges. We call exactly. Them. Committed <laughs> challenges. We like um, a robust player on the yeah. Irish team. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have them. Um, I thought Jill Scott was brilliant for Aston Villa at the weekend as well. And like, yeah, she's it, definitely it's going to be very tough for But I think that she's going to be hugely important for them. She just, again, so much experience that she brings. Um, she was a proper just box-to-box, broke up a play, I think, that set off the, to one of the goals. And again, she was doing mazes in the box as well, which you don't really expect as well. But I thought she had, uh, she was the kind of whole midfielder in that game. Yeah, how she managed to keep the ball in play to get the assist for the goal as well was unreal. I think she's probably going to have a lot of work on her hands to get into that Euro squad, uh, which is obviously why she has gone out on loan. But it worked for her last year to get into the GB one. So maybe if she keeps putting in performances like that one, she she might squeeze a spot in there as well. Um, I thought Miedema as well, playing a little bit deeper. I think she found so much space and... um. Yeah, you can start to see a little bit of a partnership and what that partnership and maybe new um, formation could do with Blackstenius as well. I thought that was really exciting to see. We didn't get the goal that we anticipated in that game, but um, I don't know how Miedemann didn't score. I think she hit the, bo- the post twice as well. So um, yeah, I thought it's a really interesting position to see her playing in. Yeah, uh, the only other one I could kind of argue with was maybe Hampton in, in Villa goal just because of how brightly Everton started and keeping a clean sheet was obviously going to be so important for Villa in that game so just to give her a nod because I thought she she did really well and it could have been a completely different story had she not made those early saves but other than that it's hard to argue maybe Flint for Leicester just yeah, she's on more Leicester players in because of what a big win it was and she was just an absolute nuisance she 
not only got the goal, but she was involved in the third one. And yeah, she was just putting herself about and uh, really kind of occupying the defenders, um, which was great. Helped set other players off. So give her a shout out there as well. Definitely worth it. Honorable mention. All right, she was on the, that disabled bench. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here just nodding as like Karen was talking and I feel like I've just agreed with everything that Karen suggested. <laughs> and been like, Emma, I think you were wrong, but Karen. Thanks for the support. No, but in general, like there were very few things. Again, I had Jess Park as well on my list before you sent them through. I just kind of like note down people that I think might be good. I thought she was excellent. Uh, Kim Little was also on mine. There was that one moment where she was in midfield and she was just like dancing around the Chelsea players and it was like no matter what player went near yeah. her they just could not get the ball off her and I think it was so reminiscent of just who Kim Little is as a player um, I mean incredible skill and to still be going at the rate she is at the age she is is very impressive Emma thank you for giving us your team of the week if you have any opinions, suggestions, thoughts or comments on the selection? Did we miss something terrible? I'm still waiting for the day where someone like really goes in on us and is like, cannot believe you haven't mentioned XYZ player for like the entirety of the season. They've been incredible. Yeah. And we will accept it and we will discuss it and we will probably admit that we were wrong. Um, please do get your thoughts and opinions into us on Twitter at Off The Ball using the hashtag OTB Koi Gig. So as I said earlier in the pod a couple of weeks ago, you may have heard us plug a WNL season preview we were going to do at Kira Grant. And then with knowing when we had set it up to her that she was probably going to Rangers in the meantime, she went inside for a club. But of course, we're very happy for Kira, and we had a great chat with her about that move to Rangers, which you can catch on the OTB app. But with the season fast approaching, we still wanted to talk a bit more about the Women's National League. And we figured it was a great time to roll out one of the experts of the league. And that is Wexford Youth's Kylie Murphy. Kylie, thank you so much for joining us. We will get to a bit of a preview about the Women's National League, but it'd be great to start it all off with just talking to you about your career. And when I say stalwart, you are one of the people in the league who have been, has seen it go through all sorts of changes. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show. How are things with you? Yeah, good. Thanks for asking. I was delighted to, to come on. Um, things are great, as always, start of every year, getting ready to, to prep for the year ahead. Yeah, well, it must be exciting going into the prep for this season, considering how successful your previous season was, um, especially for you personally. I mean, personality of the year, second highest goal scorer. It was a lot of exciting things happening. To bring it back a little bit, and we will get into all that because we love telling people how great they are in this podcast and they've done great things like that. Um You've been with Wexford Youth for a long time. And for someone who maybe hasn't followed the Women's National League or is only getting invested in it, will you tell us a little bit about your career and how you got started with the team? Um, yeah. Uh, so I joined, obviously, in the inaugural season um, when the Women's National League was being formed. Um, I mean, the, the hopes and aspirations in the very first year were, were amazing. It unfortunately didn't... Uh, it didn't go the way it was planned. I don't think it took an awful dip in the middle and kind of stopped for a little while growing. But the last couple of years have been they've been really exciting, and you know it's it's onwards and upwards, and it's it's growing day by day, and we just need to keep keep moving forward now. 
Mm. I asked you that question and Karen disappeared straight away off the Zooms. <laughs> Clearly she is already <laughs> being affected by the Wexford and Beemelt rivalry. Running, <laughs> running scared. I actually did miss that. Sorry, my internet tends to give up at about half five. Like me, it works nine to five or something like that. <laughs> it's good to know that it wasn't just the general rivalry that had well, you That's running. the line I'm sticking with anyway. <laughs> um, and you said there, Kelly, about the fact that when the league started it had all these great hopes and aspirations and maybe it didn't necessarily live up to them for you as a player who has been in the league since that first few years how has it been to like keep consistently invested in it as a player and uh, like in your team and because I imagine it must be hard when you're promised all these things and then you come out the other side and it maybe takes the 10 years to get to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it definitely hasn't been easy, but I mean, like everything, there's there's up, ups and downs. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, myself and and Karen, obviously we won't see probably the benefit of what's after happening in the last 10 years where we, you know, but I'd like to think that we've some sort of a part to play in it for the, the use of today coming through. Oh, and I would say for yourself with Wexford, so he came into the league and I think he maybe came fourth in the first season, but not really competing. But year on year, ye improved and ye upped your standards. Um, so at least the clubs were doing that, even if maybe the league itself wasn't keeping up. And you can see that now that the clubs are at a higher level um, and the league will hopefully start to keep up with that obviously we're getting more investment and more interest from the TG Cahar deal and stuff but for a long time it was the clubs and I think Wexford kind of have been a club that would say have really really improved as the year has gone on both in terms of developing players and recruiting players and just keeping to a certain standard like even the couple of years you didn't win anything in recent times you're there thereabouts what is it kind of down in Wexford that you've done would you say that has been different to what other teams have. I mean, I'm not sure what, what other teams are doing or other clubs are doing, but I suppose with us, it's just, you know, every year we get to the, the start of the year, we set a goal or we set barriers or whatever it is. And, and we just, it's it's so important that we have to keep moving through them and keep gaining and, and, and reaching and getting better. And in the last couple of years, like, We've we've grown and we've done really well, but like there's no hiding the fact that it was a it was a really big struggle for a very long time. And um, even to, I suppose just to try get a, a women's committee formed, you know. But in the last couple of years, there's some exceptionally brilliant people have come in and given so much time and and energy to the club and to us. And and like I, I feel like we've we've really made a huge push in the last couple of years as a club. So. And um, structure wise and things like that, we never had any underage, any any underage teams coming through. You know, you see the likes of Pima and the likes of Shells. They've all underage players coming through. They're associated with the club. They're signed to the club. They've played underage. Kind of just trying to pull and poke players out of anywhere. You know, but um, the the guys have done so so much work. It's it's just exceptional. But I suppose it's just never wanting to let that bar drop. It's keep moving forward. And you know, I'd say the committee are probably they're sick to the seat of me at this stage because I just. I probably just, I want and want and push and push for more and more. And I'm probably happy to an extent, but never happy, you know, and you can see their faces when I'm coming. And I'm just like, ah, I just, <laughs> they're, they're, oh God, what does she want now? But I mean, they're so, they're open and approachable and they know it's not 
me looking, they know it's 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 us looking for better and us looking to be. Because ideally, the, the the plan is and the, the want is to be the best club and to be, you know, to, for other younger kids coming through or other teams or other girls to look and be like, Jesus, Wexford is is legit. Like it's it's a good club and they have a good team and the structure and the facilities and they're really looked after well because those type of things matter now and. I mean, I only had a, a conversation with the boys the other day. Like, it's literally like trying to sign players is literally like trying to pull teeth these days. They look, you know, years ago, if a club wanted you, you just, you were so honoured that the club wanted you. Whereas nowadays, these kids coming through, <laughs> they're looking yeah, at they've got chances and they ask a lot of questions and they have a lot yeah. of more demands than we did. I was the same. I think I got a text from my friend Julianne that she had got a text from Eileen Gleeson being like, do you want to sign? And I was like, yeah, grand. Yeah. Crazy. No yeah. more tears. <laughs> so yeah, like I mean, then then things are so they're so important now, and the structures of clubs and girls are looking beyond just playing in the national league and things like that. So yeah, I, I'm sorry, I probably rambled on there for a long time, but yeah, it's just probably setting the bar and and not not being okay with it. Be lower than that. No, not at all. You have like such amazing insight. I don't think any of that was rambling at all. <laughs> um. To that point, you say that you're at the Wexford committee a lot and they probably are sick and tired of seeing you coming. Part of that is probably as well because you've been with the club for so long. You know you know what's needed as much as anyone else. You know what it's been like playing season in, season out. Why did you stick with Wexford for the length of your Women's National League career? I know you said that it's it's almost harder to get players to sign now because they do have more options. But considering your career, I presume you did have options at some stage because you are a very good player. <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, I suppose with Wexford, it's just... Honestly, it's probably cliche as it sounds. It's just in my heart. I, I could never see myself putting on another jersey, whether whether offers came or they didn't. You know, it's just I genuinely I would live and die for that club, and I love the I love the structure. I love the I love the committee. I love the girls. Just everything about it. I just I genuinely I'm I'm really obsessed with it. Yeah, and I'd say they obviously want to keep you involved. You probably don't like when people say it, but you're going to keep going for a number of years. Do you get annoyed when people are like, oh, will you go into coaching or is it something you will do or you've thought about and staying with Wexford in that capacity when you do hang up your boots? Um, yeah, no, I'm getting asked a lot lately. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> don't worry, me too. Oh, loads of time left. <laughs> but, um, you know, the coaching, the coaching side of things, it's something I, I get asked it an awful lot, but it's honestly right now, it's something that I, I honestly don't really see myself doing. Um, just it, it really doesn't appeal to me. And I think that coaches and managers out there and volunteers that are given all their time, I mean, hats off to them because it's a difficult job. And I often like would look at any of the managers that have come through Wexford Youths and like to, even to be dealing with a player like me, like because I'm constantly like I, I just I won't settle for less than what we deserve and things like that. It's it's a tough job. So for, for me personally, right now, coaching, no, I, I don't think it'd be for me. But without a shadow of a doubt, I I would never not be able to give back to Wexford Youths because what they've given me is is so much more beyond being a soccer player and playing in the national league. You know, so and the people I've met. So I will I will definitely. Some in some aspects, I will, without a shadow of a doubt, be given back to them. 
talk a lot uh, just in some of the interviews that I've read with you before and you've mentioned it a couple of times there about how you're always looking for the the next thing that you can push on or you're always you're happy with the achievements you've had but there's always that little part of you as well that's like oh but what more can I do or how more can I push it do you think like how pivotal how pivotal has that frame of mind been for you in your career in terms of pushing yourself to the many great seasons that you have had um I'm not I'm not sure I suppose maybe it's just what's in me I just I, I want to be personally as a player the best that I can be and you know it's 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 my job as a as a teammate and as a captain to be the very best I can be and and I very much so expect that from my teammates as well. So, I mean, that's the only way we can we can move forward and, you know, be the most successful team or be the most successful club or whatever it takes. It, it just, it literally takes everything. But I personally am going to give well over 100% for, for, for the team. Well, Karen, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's just like you've had to change your role in the team as well. Obviously, we the top teams are starting to lose teams. The WSL, you would have lost Rihanna and that kind of left a big void. She was player of the year two years in a row and you kind of stepped into that striker role and you were just behind Anya for Golden Boot last year. Um, it's, that just kind of shows your intelligence as a player. Um, but did you find that transition difficult or was it just, again, this is what I need to do for the team and it, it just happened to work out? Uh, yeah, well, at the start, I honestly, I thought, I thought the boys were winding me up. I really did, no joking, <laughs> because we often talk about me going back the way. Obviously, the older you're getting, they were telling me to go soon. I, I honestly thought they were messing, but um, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely embraced it. For me, I'm definitely that type of person, and it's the same with this season coming. People are asking, am I going to be playing up there? Honestly, I don't know. If I have to play there, I'll play there. If I have to be a defender, I'll be a defender. I don't know how much good I'll be, but. I'm genuinely just really happy to be in the starting eleven, and um, so I'll do whatever I need to do to, for the team. But um, I I enjoyed it. I really did. I the first couple of months were a bit hard, and it was, it was it's very very different from playing centre midfield. You know, you I found it very very. Um, I suppose when you're in midfield, you're kind of you're involved in an awful lot. Whereas I just kind of found it hard. I kept nearly coming back in too deep. But mm-hmm. um, to be fair to the boys, like they put in a serious amount of work with me, and you know, it's just getting up to train and early before training sessions and working on striking, finishing, things like that. I suppose the strikers do because yeah. there's one... You kept it off at one of the best team goals I've seen, obviously, in that cup final. Um, you said yourself, you kind of only showed up in the second half, but that was a, a bit of a warning shot, I think, to the rest of us for this upcoming season. I think that you really showed what you can do in that second half because um, there obviously had been a lot of talk about it ourselves and Shelburne in the lead up to that because we were the two going for the, the league. But um, it was obvious that you were still working away in the background um, as a team. And I think, yeah, uh, certainly be no one underestimating you after that second half performance in the final and that goal that in particular you scored. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was a really good team goal, and you know, it's 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 so important to try and be be doing that throughout the year. You know yourself, Karen. There's so much training, and so much work goes into it. So when when something from the training ground comes out, out, and especially on a day like that, like it's just it was incredible. But um, yeah, I honestly, to be completely honest about it, I really don't think that we get enough credit in the league. You know, an awful lot of talk is about Shells and Piedmont, and rightly so, because they're two phenomenal teams. But um. We're there as well, like you know. So I suppose that's a little bit of 
a little bit of a niche with us that we're always just just fighting and it's, it's the same goes to the last day of the season you know we had a bit of a bit of a laugh up at the National League launch with um with the girls you know about obviously freaking Galway scoring and we didn't know what was going on in the crowds and I had a bit of crack with Parlo she was saying about will you just stop will you just stop for us and, and, and for Wexford like it, it wasn't about whether Shells or Piedmont won the league it was about how high we could finish you know so whether the, the result mattered or not we weren't going to stop and look I mean that day like we did that kind of thing the goal <laughs> do you know what I mean so, yeah. I mean we were on our, on our feet it was what it was but I mean in a matter of a split second, like that whole, it could have been completely different and peace could have been lifting the trophy, you know? So, but for us, it's just, it's always about finishing as high as we can finish. Why do you think it is that maybe team or people in general haven't given Wexford the same amount of credit that they'll give teams like Shells and Piedmont? Honestly, I really don't know. I'm, I'm, I do be flabbergasted at, at, at a lot of the times, but um, I mean, you know, we've, we've been there battling and, it took us maybe three years to win our first trophy and, and ever then we've been like literally, you know, we've won trebles, we've been in so many cups, you know, four National League titles. We've done we've done relatively well for a team that was put into it in the first year. We were literally we were the things they said about us in the newspaper was just shocking. You know, we were just the butt of the league and you know, I think we've we've done relatively well, but I, I can't answer that unfortunately. I don't know why why we're not, you know, I suppose pitted up there with the likes of Shells and Piedmont. I actually think it just has a lot to do with individuals, like obviously things that go on Twitter, individual clips, but I think Wexford will always be known as that kind of collective team, very difficult to beat. Um, so I think that that has a lot to do with it. I don't think people underestimate Wexford by any means you wouldn't if you were in the league, but I just think in terms of the things that grab people's attention are always individual brilliances. And obviously we've seen a good bit of that from Ellen Malloy from yourselves, but I think it is just all up, there's an international on this team and they get bigged up and, and this and the other. But I know from my point of view, there's, and especially haven't seen the second half of the cup final, there's no underestimating Wexford this year in the league. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Karen. Hopefully, we could go do something about it. <laughs> Karen's well, just been watching. I hope I'm completely wrong, but look. <laughs> <laughs> like Karen's just been watching that second half on a loop during her preseason training. No, the, whole, the whole last two weeks of that league have scared me. Like, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to see anymore. I genuinely, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I just, how you must have felt that night or the next day or. For a week well, I went something. and lost a county final the next day, so that was grand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Doesn't like to do these things by half in any shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a separate pod someday, just purely on and my trauma. Yeah, oh, okay. general trauma. We'll, we'll get a sports psychologist in and we'll, <laughs> we'll work through it with you. <laughs> Um, kind of looking at yourself like Karen mentioned there about internationals coming from certain teams and stuff is that something that's ever played on your mind the fact that you didn't get that call up and get a cap for Ireland uh, yeah yeah it is definitely um, but again it's something that it's just it's something that I can't control I mean I can't pick myself and it's completely up to obviously the managers that have come and gone and unfortunately I just obviously they just don't see anything in me and do you know what I mean that's okay because everybody everybody has different opinions and you know yourself you watching a team you have different opinions on different players and that's okay like but from my point of view I I can't do anymore you know what I mean I've, I've, I've given everything that I can give and, and it's not I don't I don't go do it to hopefully get an international call up someday I do it for Wexford and I want to be the very best that I can be for them and 
I mean, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. I think it's just unfortunate as well in terms of timing. So you were probably hitting your peak when Colin Bell was in there and he was very much focused on under 17s and blooding new people like that and telling everyone to go professional. Whereas I suppose at your stage of your career, you were probably not going to uproot your whole life to go professional to prove a point to maybe get a cap. And obviously a lot of under 17s were brought in at that time. Um, so I think that that was probably unfortunate as well. Like it, people don't realise that some of it is down to luck. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, exactly like you said, timing and things like that. It just it just obviously wasn't meant to be or maybe the timing just wasn't right. But I mean, I, I it's something that, yeah, maybe, do you know, a little piece of me say I never I never achieved that. But I mean, I'm, I'm really not going to complain over what I have achieved and haven't because, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky to be part of a club like Wexford and, and be successful. Do you think in a way it also allowed you to become the stalwart in the league that you have in the sense say we look at a player like Kim Little with Arsenal like she gave up her Scotland career as she got to the latter ends of it so that she could fully focus on her Arsenal career and like extend that even longer past when maybe some people would have expected her to retire do you think being able to have that focus on Wexford over the years and nothing else outside of that gave you a a different flair in the league Maybe, maybe not. I'm not too sure. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Um, look, you compare me to Kim Little. That's just going a bit too far. <laughs> I thought you might like that one. I just it came to my head there. <laughs> Looking at the heading into the season and like where Wexford stand, as Karen has already said, I mean, you had that brilliant half in the cup final. What's the feeling around the camp at the moment? What's the aim? You said that, you know, at the end of the last season, you were looking at how high can you finish in the table? But what what is the thing that's on the back of the door that everyone looks at before they head out onto the training pitch saying that's going to be us this time or in a year's time? Well, it's, it's the National League. That's that's the, the big one. That's what everybody aims for. It's the one that gives you Champions League soccer. So, I mean, that's where, where, where we want to be at. Um, I suppose getting it a lot closer to the likes of Shells and Peas. And I think I think there's going to be, I think Galway are going to make huge strides this year as well. Yeah, um, I, I think they're definitely going to break that bridge of the, the kind of tree that are kind of pulling away. Yeah, I think we've been expecting that for a while and it just hasn't yeah. happened. But based on kind of players that they've signed and youth coming through, they're definitely ones not to be um, scoffed at. And I think we'll obviously be very wary of them having been thanked by them at the end of the season, but they're definitely going to be talked about too, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, there's just so much soccer to be played. It's it's crazy. So, But yeah, look, it's it's literally the start of every year to pick up as much silverware as you can. And do you think that the team, I know this is something that you've talked about recently, is the fact that, you know, a lot of different women's national teams are losing players to maybe going professional or going to different leagues. How has that left you feel like, Karen, something you've mentioned a couple of times in podcasts as well, like the fact that Peas are losing players to various different places. How are you feeling in terms of just how the team is set up going into the season? Yeah, um, we're okay. I think um, the likes of like I know they like you lost some in, like incredible players this year, Karen. It was it was like like us losing Rihanna was was absolutely massive. It nearly took us two seasons to get back back to where we wanted to be. Like, and that's losing one player. Like, whereas the likes of Shells and Human are losing the, the amount of players Shelburne have lost 
in the last probably two months I'm obviously delighted <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean like it's it's hard for a team to I suppose keep pushing and they're going to play play Champions League this year do you know so it's um yeah it's 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 quite hard I mean I'm after losing my train of thought there now yeah, well, I agree. I think it's like people don't really recognise that it, it's always going to go in cycles. Like you're not going to have one team dominating because you are producing these players and they're obviously looking to make that next step. Um, so it's never going to be five years in a row, maybe like it was in Scotland, one team winning. I think you're always going to see that kind of ebb and flow. We've seen that around P-Mount, Rahini, Wexford, Shells, back to Wexford, to P-Mount. And so like, yeah. that's why it is a bit unpredictable and it, it's very hard for us to kind of sit here and say, yeah, it'll be the same as last year, it'll be the top three because there has been a lot of attrition and, and things like that amongst us yeah. all. I think for Wexford, ye have very good young kind of crop of players coming through. So I think you'll be very, very strong this year, but then in two years' time when they're finished, they're leaving certain things like that, you can't really tell where they're going to be. So um, I suppose it's just about making the most of what you have and, and yeah. kind of planning for the future as well, keep bringing up the yeah, absolutely. Exactly, Karen. That's exactly what it is. You know, it's like you said, we're going to feel, feel the pinch when those girls do their leaving and we're, we are going to lose them, unfortunately, um, because they're just, they're incredible players and they deserve, they deserve to be playing full time. They should be, you know, they should be, they should be reaching the, the highest of heights that they can get to. So, I mean, thankfully it's not right now. <laughs> is, <laughs> I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's inevitably going to come around. But like you said, just, keep filtering through now and for us I mean the academy starting and the 17s and 19s are getting a bit stronger and things like that so it's just it's just going to keep happening I always enjoy asking players from teams this question because I think you get such a different insight into a team because you're watching everyone train every single week you know you're doing your bonding whatever it is you know what people have put in but who on the Wexford team, should people listening to this podcast be looking out for this season? Who is someone that you think, well, it could be one of the younger players, it could be one of the older ones that are is maybe showing something exciting, but who should people be looking out for at Wexford this season? Um, you can say yourself as well if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I can answer this, having just lost Becky Watkins to Wexford. Yeah. I think you should definitely be looking out for that name from my point of view. And defenders obviously don't get a lot of praise, but Lauren Dwyer, I think, has been one of the best in the league. Um, so maybe the two I'd be picking for ye. Um, I, you probably have another few, obviously, better insight. But from an external perspective, I think they're two fantastic talents. Yeah, I think so. Um Absolutely, and I mean, there's there's so many good young players there now. Obviously, I'm, I've you've obviously probably seen the best of of Becky Karen, but um, mm-hmm. she's only been in a couple of sessions now at the moment, and she's gone away, gone away to camp now. But um, I'm I'm really excited about Becky. I'm really excited about her getting game time and seeing what she's like and what she's made of. But I have seen her in one or two sessions, and I've been very very impressed. Um, and then like obviously you have the likes of Lauren, who's who's she's just incredible. Um. And then, like I think, with Della Doherty after getting a, a full season under her belt, she's gonna she's gonna come too as well. And likes of Ellen and Avian in there, like it's just they're just incredible. Like I mean, you'd you'd be in bits trying to train with them. I just can't even. <laughs> it's incredible. Like they're just they don't they don't realize how good they are. But um, it's 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 really exciting. There's there's so many. I can't I can't just pick one or two. There's so many that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year. 
And what else do you think people can expect from the league this season? I mean, we've talked about the fact that those shells, Piedmont, Wexford, Galway are going to do a good season. Yosef Sligo Rovers coming in a new team. What what are going to be the big talking points? Do you think of this season? Um, I think definitely the Galway Galway bridging that gap. I think I do think they're going to be they're going to be very good. Like they're very they're extremely hard to beat anyway. But I think you know they've added an extra bit of flair there after signing Jenna Slattery as well. She's she's very very skillful. She's powerful on the ball as well. So mm. she'll, she'll definitely add massively to them. Um, I just I hope it's I hope it's I hope it's more competitive through through the through all the ranks. You know what I mean? I hope it's not just that top three or four or whatever it is. I just hope it's really, really competitive. And I feel like it has been in the last couple of years. There used to always be, you know, the for all the world, it's it's terrible to say, but like the lower kind of teams. But that's that's not there anymore. You know, you're not going out and hammering teams seven and eight nil anymore. There's no I genuinely, after seeing last season, for me, there's actually no easy game in the women's national league anymore, which is I think is really good. No, definitely. I well, I think you look at the way the season ended alone. <laughs> I mean, the the massive excitement that that caused. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> the massive excitement that that caused in and of itself was a, an example of where the league is going and what it can offer. And the fact that we can all watch it so easily now compared to previous years makes it all the better. Um, Kylie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was great to talk to you, and best of luck with the season. And that's all from myself, Karen and Emma. This week, the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports is in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We will be back next Tuesday for a very special Sligo Rovers edition that I had absolutely no hand in creating at all. Uh, But we will be talking not just about how great Sligo is as a county, but actually looking at what it takes to set up a women's national league team in this current environment. So we will have Emma Hansbury and CEO Colin Feely then see you next week. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.